This episode is brought to you by The One Summit, two days that would change your life forever. For tickets, go to theonesummit.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Pull up a rock by the campfire. It's time for that paleo show with your hosts, Sarah Stewart, Steve Hayter, and the man with no shoes, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Sarah Stewart. I'm Steve Hayter. And I'm Brett Hill. Today's guest was originally on the show way back in episode 32 before uh, Steve and I were on the show. And uh, he's the coaching director and owner of Funk Fitness in Canberra. And he's passionate about enabling others to develop their awareness of functional fitness. He's all about movement first and exercise second. And with a strong background in various disciplines, including mixed martial arts and strength training, he certainly is qualified to talk to us about moving efficiently. Now, most of you know I like to do some research before each show, and I got very excited stalking Dave on the internet because firstly, I came across some very impressive kickboxing footage, uh, and then that was backed up with a video of a pretty solid CrossFit workout. So anyone that knows me will tell you that martial arts and throwing weights around are a few of my favorite things. Regardless of the kind of movement that you're into, I'm sure that you will enjoy today's show. It's sure to be a corker full of great tips and content to help you make the most of your daily exercise. Welcome back to the show, Dave Nixon. Hey, thanks guys for having me. I'm uh, been looking forward to jumping back on. <laughs> well, welcome back, Dave. I'm sure that you've been up to quite a bit uh, since you were last on the show. Um, and perhaps for the listeners that didn't get to hear you last time, uh, or for those of us that got distracted watching YouTube instead of researching about their uh, guests, uh, can you tell us about how you made your way into the world of health? Uh, absolutely. So I, uh, I was fortunate enough to, um, when I was 15, do some work experience in a um, sort of a personal training, personal coaching kind of gym when I was in year 10. I uh, got offered a paperwork job from that and um, I literally just started. I knew I wanted to do something in regards to some sort of teaching or coaching, whether it be PE or personal training. I mean, ideally, I was going to be Australia's next class bowler um, and I stopped growing at five foot seven. So that kind of... Um, the dream didn't get lost. It just uh, just got, got not as focused. So yeah, I decided to go down that alley, and um, then about nine months later, I think I started training people, and, and I came on as a trainee uh, for my certificate three and four in fitness back in the day. Um, that was when I was sixteen, and then throughout college, I was working uh, through the gym as well. And then by the time I was eighteen, I was managing that gym, and then nineteen managing all three gyms for the uh, for the studio. And after that, I sort of had a look at what I wanted to do. And I looked at gyms uh, and the fitness industry itself. And I sort of took me a few years. And I looked at it. And I'm like, you know what? I, this just doesn't feel real to me anymore. Not that it felt wrong. There was just something that I questioned about doing these robotic, tedious movements that have zero to minimal correlation to anyone that anything that any person does outside of that facility in front of a mirror. I kind of looked at it. And I'm like, mm, I think there's got to be more to this. And uh, so I started doing a bit of research, I suppose, when I was probably about uh, about six years ago. And uh, over time, that sort of led into then doing a lot more reading, a lot more research and seminars and everything like that, courses. And uh, I started uh, what is now known as Functional Fitness Australia uh, at 20, well, three and a half years ago now. So yeah, 2011. 
um, which has um, grown from myself and six clients. We now have two facilities here in Canberra. Uh, we offer everything from yoga through to um, a martial arts, through to high-intensity sort of functional training, right through to mobility sessions, um, more of a powerlifting-based session, more of gymnastic work. And we work with everyone from ex senior international gymnasts right through to people that have literally never walked into a gym before. So it's um, in a nutshell, that's about 10 years of, of the industry so far. And that's kind of how I got into it. That's pretty awesome, Dave. And you sound like a, you sound like a super switched on guy. And I found myself, uh, when I first heard the term functional fitness, I certainly over time I've wondered uh, what that looks like and what people's perceptions are. Can you tell us a little bit about um, what, you know, what you see out there with regards to functional fitness and perhaps what your spin on it is, your flavor? Absolutely. I, um, for me, I suppose it's getting people to understand first what functional movement is. Um, I often say to clients when they come through, it's like, it's not my goal to get you fit. Uh, my goal is to get you to function more efficiently and as a byproduct, you'll get fitter. So we as a society are so busy exercising that we're neglecting to understand that we're moving poorly. And what I mean by that is that we, without realizing why ourselves to move, most likely subconsciously why ourselves to move ever since we were very young. And um, if we're wearing things like cushion high heels, or known, also known as runners, then that's affecting, as you guys would know as chiropractors, uh, our skeletal structure. And it does that and our body conditions that for years. Yet without realizing this and just going and exercising, all you're doing is, you know, it's great that you're putting off heart disease and, and these sorts of things. That's fantastic. What my goal is is to go, let's get you to learn how to function more efficiently. And when I ask that to people, I go, I'll ask a room of people, I go, who here wants to lift more weight and learn how to pick up heavier things? And not many people raise their hand. And then I say, okay, who wants to learn how to run more efficiently? And majority of people will lift their hand. And I go, what if I told you that was the exact same question? Because it's not about something lifting something heavy. It's about making heavy object appear lighter so things just become easier. Mm-hmm. It really is, does come down to that. It's, uh, we've got to stop looking at you know, things like a deadlift as an exercise or a squat as an exercise and see it for a safe motor pattern. See it as a safe movement pattern so you can just function outside of that gym safely and efficiently for years to come. Wow. And first of all, I'd just like to say congratulations to Steve and Sarah for gaining their chiropractic yeah, degree. It's, uh, <laughs> it's amazing. It cost me like tens of thousands of dollars in six years to get there and you guys just got there in a few seconds. It was... Do you not think we're good enough, Britt? Is that what I'm hearing right now? <laughs> well, looks to to be honest jealous. with you guys, I, I just took it that Brett's such a fantastic mentor that you guys knew it already. So... <laughs> Funny but true. Hey, Dave, <laughs> let's talk about mobility because there's been a lot of talk recently about mobility. You know, we interviewed Kelly Starrett recently on The Wellness Guys and he was awesome. And uh, and he was talking a lot about, I guess, sort of more functional and, and uh, dynamic mobility. You know, what's your take on that of, I guess, the kind of static mobility versus dynamic mobility and how do you like to do it? So the biggest thing we look at when someone walks through the door is, and when I say walks through the door, I literally mean we look at how they walk through the door. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we want to make sure that we are helping to create a safe motor pattern for an individual. And what we need to first do is first see this person's range of movement. We see their range of uh, you know, um, movement about their joints, their shoulders, hips, ankles, elbows. And what we need to do if, if there is something restricted there, and this is why firstly mobility is so important to address, is that if there's a restriction, people just accept it. They go, oh, I've got tight shoulders. So they work around it, yet they're not realizing they're strengthening and solidifying a poor motor pattern, which is going to cause them injury in the future. So what we do is between dynamic and static mobility, we would play with both. 
um, is that we look to mobilize the, the and free up a lot of the um, muscle fascia and the tissue around it to help release that joint anyway. Now, if there's stuff that obviously is outside of our uh, diagnosis, then of course, we'll always refer on um, to chiropractors or even through to our physios that work with us. And um, otherwise, my take personally on dynamic and static mobility is that it's important to play with both. Um, and it depends on the individual. So it's hard for me to diagnose for an individual until I actually see the move. So uh, depending on what's restricted. So a lot of people, let's just say as an example, like they might sit in a front squat where the bar is sitting across the front of their shoulders, right? And uh, they're allowing their hands to, to rack that bar. You see it in, um, in a clean and jerk if you ever watch the Olympics. And a lot of people will get pain through their wrists. So they address the wrists, and the wrist actually usually isn't the problem. It could be poor um, external rotation of their shoulders. So we need to address things like their, uh, their, their lats, their major, major back muscle, uh, things uh, such as their rotator cuff, and release a lot of this fascia to at least allow the joint to move more free uh, with more freedom, and then we start to build that motor pattern through there. I love that, that answer, t- Dave. That's so awesome, and it's, you've got to look at the whole big picture and I find it really interesting that, um, well, my observations anyway, like it's quite often us getting in the way of ourselves, you know, like with the, um, the, the fancy sneakers or whatever. I remember going from having my um, Keanu's and I'd spend my 300 bucks on sneakers religiously and I'd do my running. And then I um, changed to a minimal um, foot uh, shoe, got quite used to that, loved it. And then for some reason my shoes were dirty or whatever and I had to go back to my old ones as an emergency. And my trainer said to me, what's wrong with you today? Like I could not lift. I felt clumsy and awkward and um, it was just crazy. And that was a real cementing for me that my equipment was getting in the way of what's natural. And and I guess that's what the um, moving efficiently and and getting back to how we're supposed to move. That's what it's all about. Can you tell us a little bit? um, I saw some really cool pictures of your gym. It's pretty simple, pretty minimal. Can you tell us about um, some of the, the workouts or the style of moving that you encourage? Yeah, absolutely. So you spot on in regards to, to the gym. I think um, people over oversee a gym when they think of gym equipment. Uh, it literally, I mean, to me, it's a classroom. <laughs> it's yeah. not a gym. Uh, I, I get to write on whiteboards. I can use chalk on the ground. It's fantastic. But looking at the actual equipment inside of that, it's going, well, what's necessary and what's not? So that's one of the biggest things. I mean, Cable machines and and treadmills, and I can pick on treadmills for, for weeks, and I won't do that tonight unless unless you want me to. I'm happy to. Otherwise, we, we literally want to be able to teach people to, rather than learning how to move something from point A to point B, and I'll just go back to a term such as a deadlift, which is moving a bar from you know a mid-shin height to uh, so you're fully standing erect. Uh, rather than looking at the bar, it goes from point A to point B. We want to teach the person to make sure that they're spatially aware doing it, right? They're deliberately moving. Um, so they're manipulating their body to make that movement easier as opposed to just getting a bar from A to B. And that's where we often get confused. We go, okay, if we get our chin above the bar and pull up, then that's a pull up. It's like, well, you could be sitting in a completely round shoulder position with um, strengthening muscles that attach to the front of your upper arm bone that even though you're doing a back exercise, you're still promoting a round shoulder position. So just because you've got point A to point B doesn't make it a healthy movement. Uh, and it's also promoting a, a, a more restricted range of movement of that joint. So we literally have barbells, kettlebells, bumper plates. We'll muck around with some medicine balls, tractor tires, sandbags, 
um, some bands in regards to resistance bands. We use them for a whole range of things. Um, from there, we would use um, a lot of stuff outdoors as well. So uh, anything that I can get my hands on that is anything from any type of resistance, I think is very, very important to make sure that I'm also always pushing to make sure the person learns a very, very safe structure through a movement. Yet you also got to learn that in the outside world, you don't have a perfectly weight distributed bar. Mm. You know, you and I, if you and I have to move a fridge because you would call me to come to Adelaide to do that, right? <laughs> um, then, of course, we can't change the shape or the weight of that fridge. So we have to learn to manipulate our body to, in a position and move that easier. Dave, um, one of the questions we had from from our listeners is, uh, as a as a new mum looking to um, get excited about moving again and, and getting motivated, and uh, what can they do as that sort of that first step to to get uh, moving and and lose that that uh, you know bit of weight they're looking to to lose? Um, what uh, what's some of the stuff that you do with people who are um, perhaps stepping into you know a movement space for the first time with you or in in your gym? Um, and uh, what do you find is most successful in getting those people motivated? It's a really good question, um, and it's something that I probably hear a fair bit. I think one of the most important things is before we even look at any type of movement or exercise or training, that's what people come for, I get that, yet we've got to make sure that we've set up a system of some sort that is going to allow us to be consistent. Whether that be a booking system, whether that be, you know, maybe it's a one-on-one process. So our gym is very much a small um, small group personal coaching sort of gym. So our, all our clients book in for their sessions weekly. So it's almost the fact that it becomes a weekly thing. That's just what you do. So that's something that you have to make sure is addressed. It can't just be like, a, you know, it's, this is what people do with their friends. So they go, oh, you know, maybe two mums have had babies recently, so they'll do stuff together. Those two lives are two separate lives, and it's neither person's job to actually stay committed with that. So that's where that falls apart all the time. And I see it happen again and again and again. So it's like, in my opinion, is find somewhere where there's a system that will keep you committed and consistent. That's number one. Otherwise, all the information I give, if it's not consistent, then it's just useless. You can find the information on the net. So that's one. Two is literally getting this person once again moving again. So they obviously just went through a marathon technically for nine months, and that's very, very respectful and needed to be understood for all the coaches involved. So what we need to look at for them is, A, if there's any restriction through their abdominals for obvious reasons. Um, if, there, if there is, then we need to work with the physio with that to make sure that that's not going to be a, something that's going to cause them issues in 5, 10, 20 years' time. So to help close those abdominals over. If there's not, then the biggest thing is putting this person in an environment where they feel um, comfortable uh, and slowly getting them to progress through. So I think what I'm the best way to describe that is a lot of people have this concept of like, already I need to go hard or go home or you know no pain no gain. It's like, look, you just need to get moving and stay conditioned and then slowly increase that conditioning over time. So as far as getting motivated, I think um, it's uh, it's almost important for a coach to point that person's attention away from getting motivated and go, let's just start and build momentum from there. And and I guess, Dave, the other question that often comes from the girls, and it's kind of the age-old question, particularly when you start talking about doing weights and deadlifts and all those sort of things is, but I don't want to get muscly. You know, I don't want to end up like big and butch and all those (laughs) sort of things. I'm sure you hear this question all the time. How do you answer that, Dave? Yeah, I do hear it all the time. I think I probably shoot in the bum pretty quickly. Uh, well, the first things first is that on average, males have about seven times more testosterone than females. That's number one. 
Uh, and I have a, a lot of guys that I've seen over the years try to put on muscle and just can't. So if you're a female putting on muscle that easily, congratulations, you're one of very few. Um, you should use that to advantage and do it as a sport or something. Otherwise, what I, what I suppose uh, the other angle of that is a lot of the times it's actually not what they think. What I mean by that is that they'll judge by their clothes or they'll judge by um, their previous image of their body. And so all they're doing is actually developing a little bit of muscle tone. So people develop a little bit of muscle tone. That'll fill out the clothes they used to have. And clothes, uh, general female clothes, are actually not designed for healthy, strong females because the majority of the population doesn't exercise like that. So what happens is this person is now really starting to become functioning really well. They're strong. When I say strong, is that they're very, you know, could be lean muscle mass, for example, um, and uh, any sort of tightness in areas that they previously didn't like on their clothes is now getting tighter. That's probably one of the biggest things I see. Um, from there, as far as I'm worrying about, it's like because we, we continue to make sure we do some, some weightlifting with, um, with females, which is stupidly important for everything from bone density right through to, to fat loss. So from that point, it's a matter of going, well, you choose how, how much you want to participate. And uh, I think that's an important thing to allow them to make that decision. And that can sort of get influenced over time, if that makes sense. So I often find majority of females really enjoy lifting. I think, Sarah, you probably agree with me on that. Oh, my goodness. Um, it's ridiculous. And not only does it allow you to, you know, contribute positively to your, your bone density and your muscle mass, but it's fantastic for just your self-belief and your confidence as well. Well, that's what Hold I was going to ask you, actually, Sarah. I know they were interviewing Dave today, but you, <laughs> you, you obviously went from a stage where you weren't doing as much exercise, Sarah, and, and then came to love lifting. So what was that like for you when you first started? So as much exercise as in zero uh, through to... <laughs> it's being uh, nice. <laughs> well, um, and then, well, you know, the journey was epic. Um, I was a cardio fiend. So on those treadmills all the time, which thank God Dave hates them as well. I think all they're good for is watching treadmill stacks on YouTube. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that was my concept of what it was to be fit. So I was scared to pick up weights because I didn't want to have a fat neck and I already had a, a poor um, image of what I thought I looked like. And I didn't want to get bigger. I wanted to get smaller. And I believed that I had to do that by huffing and puffing and running. But... It's, it's amazing. It's, it feels like in a relatively short period of time, it doesn't happen overnight and you do have to be consistent, but you do start to get like little baby muscle lumps and, and you start to notice, you know, um, your skin shifting and, and firmness happening and it's just so empowering. And once you, you can grab that little glimmer and hold on to the change that is happening, it's like, I, I don't know, it's unbelievable, but it does more for you mentally um, than it does physically, and it's just a wonderful thing. It's like proving to yourself that you can do it. Yeah, it's pretty powerful, and I think the the more we, for example, we boast, uh, I say the word boast quite quite loosely, um, probably a sixty to forty percent ratio of females in um in our gyms, and uh, that's been consistent ever since the start. Mm. Um, and uh, we sort of see that even with the the weightlifting um, efforts that we offer. So we offer. Uh, a class called Boris, which is a strength, a power, basically a powerlifting base, which is deadlift, squat, and bench supplements, so to, and supplementation exercises from there. The reason why it's called Boris is Boris Shaker is a Russian <laughs> powerlifting coach. It just sounds very, very Russian. So Boris, you know, anyway. <laughs> I think it's funny, so we went with that. Our gymnastics class is called Jim. Our Ollie class is called Ollie. They've just got personalities. So um, 
Yeah, and uh, the, the girls that do, the people that do the Boris and Ollie classes that we offer are actually majority females. Um, and uh, we had a powerlifting cop here in Canberra yesterday where two of our females competed. Um, a couple of them, uh, I think Liz was we weighed in about 58 kilos. Uh, around that sort of number um, and then another female around under about 68 kilos um, and these are these are strong girls and they're by no stretch of the imagination big you wouldn't walk past this female and think they're a powerlifter mm-hmm. um, yet they're you know one of them pulling 130 kilograms um, comfortably really and uh, it's sort of looking at that and I have a, have a friend here in Canberra called Liz Craven I hope she doesn't mind me mentioning her she uh, she's actually just recently come back from um, worlds for powerlifting in, in South Africa and she I think she weigh, literally weighs in and competes at 52 kilos and I think she's recently pulled like a 140 kilo dead or something ridiculous sure. like that and this is this is a mum of, of one she's very impressive and um, she uh, she herself has an army full of females that, that are strong females and you literally would not see them as a powerlifter mm. they're they're strong they walk tall they're confident and they're not there's just it's uh it's really and from my perspective speaking of so many females uh, obviously and males like, over the last 10 years like i've probably been in front of maybe about three and a half thousand people now is that trying to have that conversation with them and it's very difficult because i'm the male i don't understand so having someone like yourself sarah you're the female and look i get that right so um, being a female and having that influence is that you can really can build an army of this, these females coming through that are, that are strong. And when I say strong, I mean mentally strong. Yeah. And that's so important for that. Um, this is a little bit off topic yet. It's something that I'm pretty passionate about is that I talk to some people quite often around this topic and I say, look, I understand that this might offend some people. And I say it, I go, yeah, could you imagine, just because we're on the topic about the female thing, could you imagine how many beauty companies would go out yeah. of business tomorrow if every female woke up and decided to love their body, right? That's one. And people can sit there and they sort of think about that for a second and I go, we've we got to understand that the world that our kids are going to grow up is in far, far more vicious than the one that we're growing up in. It's like you've got to love your body because if you can't love your body, how can you teach your kid? Like that's important from a male and a female perspective is that we need to learn that it's got more to do with the cards you're dealt and less sorry less to do with the cards you're dealt and more to do with how you deal with them yeah that's 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 something for me that i'm very 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 passionate about is that you got to learn to love your body you got to learn to move you got to learn to move things at some point in your life you got to pick up your grandkid like this is stuff that i think is so important is that if your one hour in the gym does not positively impact your 23 hours outside of that facility then it's now a cost it's no longer an investment yeah Sarah's yeah. Sarah's always saying, um, "Why why should you move? You know why what why, what's in it for you?" When she's doing her classes, and she says, "I don't know about you guys, but I want to be able to get my own get my own self out of my chair when I'm 80 years old. You know, I don't want no walker assistance or special chair that has to ro- you know lean forward to get me up. Damn I wanna... straight, I want to stand up myself. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and that's yeah. that's what I was reminded of there." Dave, I want to spot on. I plan on Chinaman squatting to go to the toilet when I'm 80. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe don't YouTube that one. Still having that leg day. Uh, No, I won't won't YouTube that one. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, Dave, on, uh, on the subject right. of, uh, of mindset as well, um, what, uh, what are some of the, uh, the, the mindset objections that you have to work through with your clients that they come in with, you know, feelings of insecurity, not good enough, uh, body image, a whole bunch of stuff. And what, is it, what has it taught you from a psychological perspective, um, you know, outside of doing a conventional psychology course? What, if, what have you picked up along your travels? I suppose I'm very fortunate that I've I've had a, some good mentors along the way. Um, I think by accident. <laughs> Yet I, what they they really sort of force you to do, and what you end up learning to do is to listen to people and the linguistics we use, um, and uh, and we don't understand how powerful it is uh, and how we talk about ourselves. And on that note, it's like I use the example: if somebody comes up to me and they say. Um, you know, uh, I've got weak arms and um, I'm not coordinated. Uh, I think I had a spit about this on my Facebook just recently and they say, you know, I've got weak arms, I'm not coordinated. And I'm like, that is literally the equivalent of walking up to a professor on your first day of uni and saying, just so you're aware, professor, I'm dumb and self-diagnosed illiterate. Like, <laughs> you, you literally have a nervous system, you have a muscular system, you have a skeletal system, you can learn, you're, you're a living species, <laughs> you're a living organism, it's stop self-limiting yourself. You have to lose the concept of being and doing things right. Yeah. Once you do that, you understand that you never look for right, you always look for improvement. And you never leave that facility knowing you did something wrong because that's, that's incorrect. I don't believe you can do – I mean, unless I say, can you show me a push-up and you – sorry, a squat and you give me a push-up. Like that's not a squat. That's wrong. You can probably argue and say it's arm squats but, <laughs> but otherwise it's, it's really looking at it and going, you need to learn to, to learn like a kid. You, you just got to be a kid again. You got to play. You got to enjoy what you do, and this has to be an investment for you. Um, you got to lose the concept of being right. You need to stop comparing. If you had no concept of what anyone else could do, then you would not be getting weaker or stronger. You would just be getting better. You wouldn't have that limiting concept in your head. Hey, Dave. So, um, Sarah touched on on her journey before, and I guess a lot of that was around, as she said, wanting to get skinny or wanting to lose weight. And I know that you know your approach is very much, as you said before, about helping people get more functional and helping people get healthier. So, how do you deal with that when people come in and they're just sort of fixated on this idea of, well, I just want to lose weight. You know, don't worry about this other stuff. Just show me how to lose weight. You know, how do you work around that, and how do you show them, I guess, how they can achieve both goals? It's a really good question, Brett. Um, I think. When I've dealt with people uh, over the last maybe 18 months or two years, has been a lot different to how I used to deal with it. The way that I look at it is like you got to a first go, well, why? Why do you want that? Because your goal is not to lose weight. Nobody – I don't believe the goal that somebody has is to lose weight. I know there's people listening right now going, Dave, you're wrong, and I, I respect that. The reason why I say that is because weight loss is a byproduct of what you want. It's not actually what you want. Yeah. I'll give you the example. Great, cool. uh, let's say my dad calls me up and he says, uh, you know, D- Dave, I spoke to my, my doctor and he says I need to lose weight. And I said, is that your goal? He's like, yes. I'm like, are you sure? He's like, yes. I go, it's not your goal. And he goes, David, I'm your father and I'm always correct. That's my goal and you need to help me lose weight. And I go, let me, let me do this. We're, apparently, we're Skyping so you can see me. I've got a whiteboard. I love my whiteboards. And I write up two columns. And I write up one and I go, in one, you've got lose weight. In the other column, you've got reduce uh, or get off diabetic medication, be able to pick up your grandkids, be able to play 18 holes of golf rather than rocking off after nine or hobbling off after nine. And I, we go on here, I'll probably explain a few more things. You know, being able to go back and uh, go to the beach with your grandkids, whatever it may be for you. I go, which column do you want? 
And he would say, of course, emotionally, he'll be attached to the other one, the one with the, the golf and the grandkids and, and that, uh, as opposed to the logical one, which would be the weight loss. And I go, if you achieved all of this, if you got off your diabetic medication, if you were able to play with your grandkids at the age of 65, if you were able to go back and play golf, because that's, that's a, the time you get to spend, the memories you get to spend with your friends, I go, do you think as a byproduct you would have lost the weight you needed to lose? Chances are it's yes. If we lost weight... Does it mean that you've achieved everything else? Most likely, no. So losing weight doesn't necessarily mean it's healthy at all. And uh, we were just talking before about uh, about kickboxing, and I lost 5.4 kilos in five days for to get in weight for a kickboxing bout. I can help people lose weight, no problem. It's not a long-term solution. Mm. So it, I think it's a really allowing this person to shift the way they view their goals so that it, not to let them off the hook because some people need to lose weight. I get that. They're, they're overweight and that, that needs to happen. It's just not the focus. So uh, a lot that. of the That's time when cool it way. is the focus, yeah, good, very, very good. It's, it's, it's when it is the focus, you, at some point during your weight loss journey, which I think it should just be, it's, it, your whole thing should be a journey, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to get a new and improved me. I'm like, y- your old version's fine. If you get a new version, you're just going to stuff it up again. Like, Let's, let's update the old one. Let's, let's work with that. And it's, it's, if that is a weight loss journey, at some point, that number is not going to continue going down. There might be a week where it stabilizes or goes back up. Yeah. And how does that affect your head? How does it affect where your head's at for the next week? And it, it, does, it does it negatively. We, we get demotivated. I've done everything good. You shouldn't be doing good. You should just be doing you. That's the thing. So we need to get this person to just rather than having this goal to do that, to be that person and then doing it is just the byproduct of it. I, it's, I joke around, but the equivalent of, of jumping on the scale and, uh, and, and it going backwards and being like giving up is literally the same as I'm sure you've had a week in your life where you've had more bills than you've had income. You didn't just not go to work the next day. If anything, you went back to work and worked harder than you did before. Do the exact same thing. Yeah, that's very powerful. And I would agree even even as far as to say that, you know, when for me anyway, you know, at the start it was about losing weight. But what I was really striving for was learning to love myself. And I I can feel that I I can speak pretty confidently with a lot of my females that I've interacted with and some males even. It's the same, you know. You you gain the weight quite often because you're you're not happy um, and you've got to, you know, delve deep and you've got to work out what's making you unhappy and, and learn to love yourself again and, and the weight does come off and, and you do naturally you're drawn to things that will make you healthier and, and fitter and a, a better lifestyle so no perspective is a very um very powerful thing um dave really quickly um for the the listeners at home that are sitting there and uh, perhaps relatively sedentary don't do a lot of um movement or playing um what are your top tips for them to to get started straight away if they were to to get to it tonight tomorrow uh what would you tell them uh i would say here we go put an apple next to your bed and also have your shoes next to your bed in the morning (laughs) um set your alarm a little bit earlier and don't put it next to your bed either yeah so you have to get up um the reason why I say that is that you need to have a pattern of something that's going to keep you committed. I don't want to have the same conversation with you in any year's time. So to get started tomorrow, if you're not doing anything, just move. 
Mm-hmm. Move that, that. That's that's a basic, and make that movement consistent. It might sound like really poor advice. I promise you, it's not. Because if you're not already moving, any more information than that is going to be too much information. And the biggest thing that one of my goals is to remove all negative connotation away from food, movement, nutrition, and exercise. And the first thing I say to people, I'm like, we're in an obesity epidemic, and we have some pharmaceutical companies pumping out pills like Skittles. Like, I just need you to move your ass. That's that. And then from there, learn how to move it better. If you build some momentum, when you continue to build some momentum, put some dollars aside, get a coach, get a PT for 12 weeks or something, and do your research. It's important to have someone that committed to that you can learn from. If you can learn from them, that's now an investment, and you need to apply that again and again. And I'll tell you what, if you learn from them, what the important thing is, you can then give that to your kids, and that's priceless. Yeah, that's brilliant. Put your shoes next to your bed. Get an apple, something to wake you up in the morning. Uh, not a coffee that early. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, set, set your alarm maybe. Look, even if you just walk around the block, like it really is that simple. If you're walking around the block three mornings a week and you weren't doing that before, it, all it is is 15 minutes. That's 45 minutes a week more than what you did last time. And you start looking at that, that ends up being, what, 450 minutes in 10 weeks, sums up by five. You do the maths. Yeah. Over years, you slowly continue to more and, and increase that conditioning. Don't start too much. Keep it simple but keep it so consistent. I, no, that's absolutely um, simple gets results that's brilliant dave and uh, no that's not silly advice at all it's uh, very similar to what i tell my clients as well so I, I hope that after today's episode that you're all feeling inspired and you've got plenty of ideas around incorporating functional movement and play into your daily life um, to keep across everything that dave gets up to follow diamond dave nixon at dd nix on instagram and David Nixon Movement and Mindset on Facebook. And if you're lucky enough to live in Canberra, go and check out his gym in person. And for the rest of us living elsewhere, take a look at Funk uh, Funk Fitness, which is F-U-N-C, fitness.com.au. And uh, while I've got a captive audience, I'm feeling a bit inspired and I'm going to challenge all of our listeners today. Sometime before you go to bed, I want you to write down one movement goal that you have and then I want you to go and get out your exercise gear or your comfy clothes so that they're ready to greet you in the morning um, because life's too short to wait for Monday so get to it and uh, if you are interested to know more about movement and all things health related we have Cave Camp Queensland fast approaching and this is a primarily inspired event and it's like nothing else in Australia at Cave Camp you'll be immersed in expert coaching and practical tips around functional movement mindset restorative relaxation nutrition and bucket loads of fun so invest in yourself and a healthy future by joining the that paleo show crew and dave's mates the merrymaker sisters who will be our resident paleo foodies for an epic weekend of hands-on take-home life-changing skills uh, as well as ridiculous amounts of delicious paleo grub so reconnect with your tribe at cave camp queensland uh, and to turbocharge your paleo journey go to that paleo show.com forward slash cave hyphen camp uh, and now that i've laid down the challenge to you all for getting moving we want to hear about your goals and your progress so make sure you head over to our website that show.com to tell us what you think and see you at cave camp queensland and until next week check us out on facebook and instagram share your story and help to grow the paleo tribe worldwide 
Hi, Dr. Brett Hill here from the Wellness Guys and That Paleo Show. Crown Melbourne will be pumping on August the 16th and 17th when this year's Wellness Summit arrives. Last year's event was a hit with attendees with Kelly L saying she was thoroughly inspired and Jen F saying she learned so much amazing information I think my brain is close to exploding. Deborah labelled it inspiring and empowering and Stephen felt very enlightened and enthused. If this sounds like you, then join myself and the other Wellness Guys, the Up For A Chat girls, Joe Witten from Thermomix and more than 600 people from across the globe as they descend on Crown Melbourne for this year's Wellness Summit. Tickets are just $2.97 and are available at www.thewellnesssummit.com. Can't wait to see you there. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.